Welcome to On the Edge of Equity, where every episode features crucial conversations centered on equity, diversity, and inclusion. But this isn't just talking the talk. It's about inspiring action, asking tough questions, and getting honest answers, because that's the only way that real change happens. Welcome again to On the Edge of Equity, which is a podcast that is powered by Athena Communications. I am so excited to welcome you. My name is Tammy Belton Davis, the host of our podcast, again, bringing you fresh conversations, crucial conversations that are centered on equity, diversity, and inclusion, but not just the conversations, looking at ways that we can inspire action. And so the guests that we have that are coming on our podcast are ones that are incredible leaders in this space, ready to engage in transformation ideas and stories that we know will lead to systems change work both locally and nationally. And so as I have said before that I am excited about the conversations that we will share and bring with you, today is a special day. Today I get to talk to the incomparable Ellen Gilligan, who serves as the president and CEO of the Greater Milwaukee Foundation. Ellen, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tammy. I'm so delighted to be here. I am thrilled to have you. We have been talking over the years. We talk about the work that you are doing in this community. We've shared stories about all the things <laughs> related to life and work. And I, I really want to focus, you know, this discussion, really, I think the opportunity for our audience to engage with you on not only your professional journey and what your space has meant leading the Greater Milwaukee Foundation, the transformational work that you all are doing, but even how your journey has been personally impacted by that work. And so, I want to just ask you, over the last few years, our, our work has intersected, and we've been talking and having these conversations on your role as the foundation lead. What has that role meant to you? What is that? Describe a little bit about what this role has meant to your life. I really appreciate the question because I have been in this role now for 12 years, and I have had the opportunity to reflect on what I hope I have brought to the role and what I have learned from the role. And it is the greatest honor of my life to be able to, to lead this tremendous institution with a team that is just so committed to long-term change in Milwaukee. So at the Greater Milwaukee Foundation and donors who care deeply about this community and the quality of life and have had such an impact in so many ways across this community. And at the Greater Milwaukee Foundation, we our tagline is Greater Together, and it really is more than a tagline. It is really in our DNA. I, I know this to be the case that there that that commitment of community together, that greater together is not just, you know, the tagline for the foundation, but really a value of how you all move and operate. And and I know in 2016, the foundation made a generational commitment to racial equity and inclusion. And I've heard you say the work that you've accomplished side by side with community means something. Community has been centered at this work, right? And so 
I want you to just kind of talk about how you are advancing that work, greater together, advancing that work, side-by-side community. So in 2016, as you said, we, after two years or more of the foundation studying and learning and listening to the community, the question was really, given the data that we saw across the community with regard to the tremendous disparities that are in every quality of life based on race. We as a foundation, and I give a great amount of uh, credit to our board, said that we really needed to take a stand here and really advance racial equity and use all the tools in our toolbox. That's a technical term that I like to use. (laughs) You know, our communications platform, our convening platform, our relationships with donors and community groups, nonprofits across the community, residents and neighborhoods. That was our special sauce that we had with centering community resident voice in what we prioritized and what we did, but also using data to inform the action that we took. So we've been on that journey since 2016, trying to really use data to understand where our intervention, where our resources listening to community about priorities, where we could make a difference. And what would you say has been the great learning as a result of looking at that data, but also the work of not only centering community voice, but as voice of the community is helping to lead and shape this work? What have you learned? Well, it is a powerful, it is an enormously powerful concept that many do not necessarily follow in philanthropy. I think philanthropy has, as I said, done a tremendous amount of good, but it is often focused on a charity concept about we'll do this for those people, however those people are defined. And I think that by centering community voice, it is a recognition that the assets are in the people, so you're investing in people and place, and they know best what they need and how to invest. So it's a, it's a fundamental shift, but it is a critically important shift. I believe what you're saying is so valuable to the conversations about how do we restore community, how do we rebuild community, that it really is from the inside out. And this idea of doing with versus for. And so as you think about what that collective work has meant, as you think about what those collaboration opportunities, has there been something that you can point to that's really been sort of a bright spot of this work? Are there collaborations or ways that community has helped to inform and influence the change that it desires to see? Can you point to any, any bright spots there? Well, I think for me, there are two really important bright spots. One is our collaboration with the Medical College and Generation Royal Capital on our Thrive On collaboration, which has really been walking with community, being informed by community every step of the way. It is the biggest project that the foundation has ever taken on with regard to the comprehensiveness, but it is bringing our commitments to life in the sense of 
centering community voice, really doing philanthropy differently, and reimagining how a community foundation operates in a neighborhood. So that's a really enormous bright spot, and we're very excited to see that move forward and and really come to life on so many levels. The other really bright spot that I have seen is our embedded education initiative, Milwaukee Succeeds, which is was envisioned as a cradle-to-career initiative, and we have focused very strategically on early childhood education and now high school success, high school and career success for African-American boys and centering the role of parents and caregivers in the early childhood care and education space, and really elevating the role uh, or the voice of students in defining how they want to be interacted with at school and what will help them be successful. Those are really bright spots for me. I appreciate you lifting the Thrive On collaboration in both Milwaukee Succeeds in the kind of impact work and the results-driven work that the Greater Milwaukee Foundation is rooted really all of its work in. And as we think about, again, that involvement and the systems change work, as racial equity is the North Star for the Greater Milwaukee Foundation, these, even these two, these two collaborations that you have lifted, Can you talk a little bit about the systems change conversation and impact that either the Thrive On collaboration, Milwaukee Succeeds, or any of the other efforts that the foundation has been engaged in have really been a demonstration of how you change the system? Well, I think it's a really important question because there are really important investments being made in programs and programs you know, serve people on a daily basis. But until we really focus on the systems that have created the circumstances in which people live, we won't make long-term change. And I think that is a really important understanding that the foundation has come to over a period of time of learning. And I would just underscore that I think COVID really shone a light on the systems from early care and education to health care to, to school systems that really failed people. How the food system that, and we can't go forward with programs to deal with that. We have to change the way public sector partners, private sector partners, philanthropy, donors, nonprofits work together to create better outcomes for people whose lives depend on these systems. And the change that needs to happen within these systems. Ellen, I appreciate that this work that both you under your leadership with the foundation has undertaken has really been rooted in your life with really a lifelong commitment to public service. Not everyone knows that your father was dedicated to public service for a long, long time, right? Eventually becoming the governor of Ohio. He was fiercely committed to giving a voice to those who had no voice, families without resources, women, children, and others. How did that shape you and how you have shown up in that world, in this world? 
Well, I think, you know, everybody is shaped by their parents. They are their first teachers and they teach their values. And I think I was shaped more than I probably realized by both my parents. As you said, my dad was spent his career in public life. Actually, he, was, uh, he spent half his career in education and half of his career in elective and appointed positions in public service. So that is very much in my DNA. And we were taught at a very young age that it was both our opportunity and our obligation to do with what we had to make our community better, to make people's lives better, and to make the world a better place. And as you said, he was committed to racial equity before racial equity was a term. And some people have written a book about him, which I didn't really even understand fully his commitment to these issues. And it really started, it, I thought it started in his political life. It started when he was in the Navy and he saw uh, the way African-American naval people who served in the Navy with him, where they were located on the destroyer that he was on whether where they had to sleep, where they would be most vulnerable if the destroyer was attacked. And he was put in charge of making some changes. And he said to his commanding officer, I don't know whether you're going to like the changes I make, but I'm going to make some changes. And he did. And I mean, he lived that value his entire life. In the 60s, when Cincinnati broke out in riots and civil unrest as a result of the tragic shooting of Martin Luther King Jr. You know, people were rioting and showing their rage and their sorrow, and they instituted a curfew. And my dad went down and stood up for people who were violating curfew for in many reasons because they were going to and from work. And so that was always part of who he was. And that's who, <laughs> how he influenced me. And so much of that, as you are talking about this, you know, both the, the obligation to stand on truth, but the responsibility that we have to improve community. As you know, I'm a lifelong Milwaukeean, and you have come to this place and just established roots, but also this deep commitment. What about Milwaukee? is special? And what about Milwaukee makes you hopeful? Well, it's it's very interesting because I was honored to be asked to come to Milwaukee. I was honored to be even considered to come to Milwaukee. And I, you know, I think we've talked about, Tammy, the fact that I have both lived and worked in many communities across the country, from rural communities to Puerto Rico to Alaska. Mm-hmm. And the values of centering community that really I learned in the community development movement have stayed with me because really people want the same things for their families. You and I want the same things for our families. And that is constant throughout the country. What is unique in every community is the culture. There are unique, there's a unique history, there's a unique culture, there are unique assets. And so those are the things that I find so appealing to about Milwaukee. The love of this community and the rich history of African-American leadership 
fighting for justice is enormous. And that is partially what attracted me to take this on, that there, is, there are so many people who are passionate about making change. I would agree with you that there is a heart for this city that, you know, I think those of us who are natives certainly build and bring. But as people are have migrated here, you feel that sense of community, but also that sense of accountability <laughs> for the change that we want to see, that there's so many that are doing this good work. And as we think about even your role specifically with the foundation, You've been around for a little bit of time. (laughs) One of the country's oldest organizations dating back over 100 years. How do you stay relevant amid this really ever-changing world? How does the foundation's work and commitment continue to have an impact? Well, I'm glad you're not referring to me about about (laughs) being being around and being old. We are a venerable institution in the community foundation field, one of the first. And, you know, that is part of the journey that we've been on, is that focusing this community and galvanizing the community around the most pressing issues in this community is part of our role as a community foundation. And I take that role very seriously. I think it is one of the things that sets apart the role of a community foundation from many other institutions. There are wonderful institutions that are clearly contributing on so many levels to, as I said, the vitality, the education, the healthcare in this community. But we have a broader role. We have a broader responsibility, and part of our responsibility is making sure that the most vulnerable, the most distressed issues and people get some visibility and have investment follow. Absolutely. It is the heart of what you are talking about. How do we continue to do and affect change in this community is near and dear to my heart. In fact, the catalyst in many ways for this podcast and these conversations is just what you are describing. How do we impact change? And how do we continue to uplift a community that has significant challenges, but so many opportunities to be better and stronger? And As I was thinking about these conversation and this conversation with you today, I'm also very mindful of the foundation's strategic vision, a Milwaukee for all. We have our, you know, our work has certainly intersected in that space, the convening of those conversations. As you are thinking about that vision that the foundation has, the question, and there's something that that you shared that said, the question we face is not particularly powerful that you have lifted the following. The question we face is not how we rebuild Milwaukee, but how we build a better Milwaukee it's bold, it's audacious work. How is the foundation working to make it happen? You've shared a little bit, but tell us about this bold and audacious way in which we can look at building a better Milwaukee. So we, as I said, we have been on this journey and our vision of a Milwaukee for all was really the recognition that some people in this community live a wonderful life and that Not everybody has the benefits of all the assets this this community has to bring. 
And so we have, through data and through lots of listening with the community, identified four strategic pillars of our a Milwaukee for all. One is early care and education for young children because we think it is the biggest lever for setting young learners and children off to a, a wonderful start in life. Economic inclusion. It is clear that everyone in this community does not does not participate at the same level. They're underinvested neighborhoods, they're underinvested businesses. So economic inclusion is key strategic priority for us. Health equity, which as we talked about earlier, our Thrive on Collaboration is really bringing many of the strategic priorities to life for everyone to see. And housing, which we fundamentally know is so crucial for family stability and economic generation and neighborhoods and wealth building. So those are the four key pillars. But we also recognize that we have to transform philanthropy. There is philanthropy in every corner of this community. And we as a community foundation want to represent and elevate that everyone has a role to play, that everyone has a seat at this table. It is not the Greater Milwaukee Foundation that can do this alone. It's going to take all of us to change the trajectory of this community for the next generation. And that is what excites me. That is it's powerful because it really requires a Milwaukee for all, that all of us <laughs> are engaged in this work together. As you are thinking about how your life has intersected the quest for justice, the work for justice and equity, someone who is just looking to get involved, use their voice, have the opportunity to engage, what counsel? What advice might you share with those that are looking for ways that they can connect around this work and or get involved, both from an equity lens, but also thinking about it from a justice perspective? Well, I think that there are so many ways to get involved. People have passions around various things. So there are so many nonprofits that, you know, find your passion, volunteer, give, get involved. Go to a neighborhood that you have never been to. Intersect with people who live in a community that you don't necessarily uh, interact with on a regular basis. I'm a strong believer. You mentioned my uh, father was in uh, public life. Vote. Yes. <laughs> Voting and representation matter. And now, more than ever, voting matters. Mm. And it is the opportunity to influence how public resources are used to address some of the systemic issues that are facing this community. And we've seen some very positive things over the last few years, but that is a huge thing. The foundation has many learning opportunities. You mentioned our Milwaukee for All gatherings where we go deep on a certain issue and have the opportunity to learn from thought leaders. My great friend and really my mentor in the philanthropic field is uh, Darren Walker. He's not my mentor, but he's my idol in the philanthropic field, you know, wrote a book about from generosity to justice. Mm -hmm. And that is really the journey that we're on. It's not that generosity is not, it's just not sufficient. So we really are on a road to justice. And there are ways to engage. There's so many nonprofits and civic organizations now that are 
focused on this issue, inviting broader participation to make long-term change. Your work, your commitment keeps me very hopeful for change. What gives you hope? What gives me hope is the next generation of leaders. The leaders that I see in Milwaukee give me tremendous hope. They are bright. They are committed. They are not going to be stopped short of their goals. They are going to fight for what they know this community needs and what the families and neighborhoods that they serve need. That's what gives me hope. I love it. So, Ellen, for the people that are out there (laughs) that are wondering, what is on Ellen's reading list? What is on her playlist? Tell us what you might be reading or listening to, and then you got to tell us a couple songs that might be on your playlist. (laughs) Well, on my reading list, I wish there was, well, I have a long reading list. I wish I had more time to read. So on my reading list is, uh, I always read anything I can get my hands on by Ta-Nehisi Coates. I subscribe to a couple of podcasts that I listen to on a regular basis. I subscribe to a daily anti-racist blog that comes in my email box. I'm reading crucial conversations. I'm sort of a smorgasbord of reading and engagement and things. And when I'm looking for really quick inspiration, I read Amanda Gorman, our uh, poet laureate. Call us what we carry. I mean, I just get so much inspiration from her. And that's a very quick just read one of her poems or listen to her recite one of her poems, and it just brings me such joy and inspiration. I love it. Anything that you want to share in your playlist <laughs> by way of music? Anything? My husband is a great Bruce Springsteen fan, so we joke about the fact that Bruce is on our playlist 24-7, and could we like listen to something else from time to time? I have a very eclectic interest in music. I mean, everything from R&B to jazz to classical music. So I'm not, I don't have one artist that I particularly love. I love dance music. I love it. Well, you are an inspiration. I am so blessed for you to have joined the On the Edge of Equity podcast. Ellen, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing your journey. Thank you for the work that you continue to do to make our community better. Thank you so much for having me, Tammy. That's a great conversation. Thank you. I agree wholeheartedly, and we want to thank you all for listening to On the Edge of Equity. Stay tuned for our next episode. Until next time. Thank you for joining us on the Edge of Equity. Please join our email list at info at athenacommunicationsllc.com so you don't miss a single episode. The link is also in the show notes. You can also support the show by sharing it on social media with your personal and professional networks, suggesting guests and topics for us to spotlight, and engaging in crucial conversations about systems change.